And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. On the phone line with us today is Dr. George Grant. He's pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Tennessee. He's also founder of New College Franklin and president of the Kings Meadow Study Center and founder of Franklin Classical School. Dr. Grant, it's an honor to have you on the phone line with us today. Well, once again, it's great to be with you. Thank you. You know, we both love the Lord and love His Church, and today on A Plain Answer, we want to talk about the Church and the state of the Church, maybe various denominations. Of a great concern to many Christians at this point is our own culture and the influence of the gospel to that culture, and certainly the Church would play a tremendous role in that. So, Dr. Grant, could you get us started in talking today about the Church? Well, there's clearly nothing in the outpouring of God's grace that is more startling in terms of a sociological change than the purposeful creation of the Church of Jesus Christ in the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There have uh, there have always been religions um, as far back as we can trace human history, and there have always been attempts by man to bridge the gap between uh, God and man. But in the Church of Jesus Christ, we have this uh, remarkable uh, creation by God Himself. It is um, it is a means of grace to the people of God through uh, the outpouring of uh, God's Word and prayer and sacrament and all of the rest. It's also a force for cultural transformation as people's lives are changed and their families are changed. Uh, the, the, the culture is changed as well. And then there is the, the, the sociological phenomenon of, of the Church being salt and light in the world in its mission and its calling, both evangelistic and in, um, in the areas of justice and mercy. So all of that to say, the Church is vitally important, though most of us as moderns tend to downplay that importance, except uh, in terms of its uh, sort of emotional, uh, psychological, and spiritual effect on our individual lives. The truth is uh, that the Church is the fountain that, uh, that sits at the center of God's garden, watering uh, the whole of the garden. And uh, as the Church goes, so goes the culture. I say all of that to say that in our day, because we have adopted so many modern assumptions, we, we have pushed the Church very much to the sidelines. We've seen the modern Church capitulate to the standards of the world with astonishing speed and with uh, with transforming power to the point now that uh, the Church and the world are sometimes indistinguishable. Uh, for instance, in, in the current discussions about what is or what is not marriage, or what uh, are or what are not acceptable moral standards, uh, we're seeing the Church uh, cave in to the standards of the world at every turn. Um, I believe that, therefore, the reformation of the Church and uh, the 
the, the, the reigniting of the passion for God's Word in the Church may be one of the most critical factors of our modern world. Uh, and uh, will bode uh, what, whatever uh, hope we have for the future really lies at the heart of the Church. Um, I think that one of the things that's most astonishing to me in, um, in modern America is the unchurching of the church, if you will. In other words, the, the number of people who claim to be followers of Christ who are simply not plugged in to any covenant community. They're, they're not in church. Uh, it's uh, in, in the minds of many modern Christians, it's, um, you know, catch as catch can. Church is nice, but... Uh, you know, it's it's really not central to our walk with Christ, and uh, that that is, you know, not not only serious theological error; it is incredibly dangerous for our culture. You mentioned a really neat phrase, Doctor Grant, that of a covenant community. Yeah. To me, that communicates a preciousness, um, a richness. Would you expand on that just a little bit? Well, yes. You know, one of the things that we see early in the book of Acts is that uh, the people of God were, were bound together as uh, not only the recipients of the means of grace, God's Word and uh, the, the precious gifts of prayer and sacrament and so forth, but they were really called to live life together. Uh, they were bound together to um, reinforce uh, uh, biblical standards to hold each other accountable, uh, to walk through joys and sorrows together. Uh, that that covenantal commitment uh, that that we have with uh, those who join us in the body of Christ is is really where community and life come from in, in the church, and it's it's a part of the design of God. It's uh, one of the means by which he builds us up. It's why in the book of Hebrews we're exhorted not to neglect the meeting together so that we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It's right at the heart of what the Church is, what the Church does, and how the Church changes the world. When we neglect that, when we abandon covenant community, we've essentially abandoned the entirety of the mission of the gospel in the world. It seems to be that is really like a missing ingredient that people are looking for. Maybe they don't realize it. Maybe sin comes in and distracts them from what they really should be doing. But that seems like God's will for his people. Indeed. We, we get so preoccupied with the busyness and even the urgency of life with jobs and family and recreation and all of the rest, that, that really church is tacked on uh, for many Christians as, um, at best, uh, an extracurricular activity. But, but in truth, w- when we look at the scriptures, we see these covenant communities in the Bible as, um, as, as being the primary locus of life. When we abandon that, we've really abandoned a huge, huge part of God's provision for us, for our work in the world, and for our growth and maturity in Christ. 
when we attend church and we come under the preaching of God's Word, are there primary and secondary benefits and focuses like, for example, we're there to worship Christ, be with his people and all of that, and then a secondary um, advantage of that flowing out to society? How, how do we keep all that in balance? That's a great question, and you know, it's, it's always a balancing act. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I think is a sociological phenomenon in the modern American church, I, I hear it all the time as I travel around and speak with people. Uh, they say, well, you know, this, this church over here is really great with worship, and that church over there is fantastic with mission, and uh, this, this church over here is fabulous uh, for teaching. Um, this other church over here is really close, and they love each other, and it's a beautiful picture of uh, life together, but it's very hard to find a church that uh, that does all of those things together. And uh, that that's really an indictment against us, because we're not called to just be one thing or another. Uh, there is to be dynamic worship, powerful, incisive, substantive, uh, biblical preaching. There's to be uh, a response and direct mission to the world that is transformative, uh, and there is to be that life together, that richness of uh, of, of life uh, lived in the midst of God's grace, where we reinforce one another all along the way. So we shouldn't have to make a choice between all of those things, uh, but unfortunately in the in a very segmented world in which we live, we, we find uh, churches that, that will focus on one or another of these dimensions. Uh, when we go sit under the substantive, uh, theologically rich preaching of the Word of God, it changes the way we see everything and the way we live everything. And therefore, you know, obviously there's a primary benefit in uh, glorification of God Himself in our lives and through our obedience, but that the secondary effect of that is that there are ripples that go out in concentric circles out from the preaching of the Word of God that changes the way we do business, the way we dress, the way we talk, the way we spend our money, uh, the way we think about politics and art and music and literature. Uh, how we raise our children, how we invest for the future, how we defer gratification so that uh, that we grow in grace and we lay a legacy for the future uh, that grace might extend out from our lives. So changes everything. And so w- when we sort of push church to the margins or we abandon it altogether, uh, we've we've really said no to Christianity and all of the fruits that uh, that we have seen that Christianity uh, brings about in the world. How about if there's someone listening that in the past they they attended church and maybe um, somebody got hurt a little bit or something was said and they haven't been attending lately and um, how could they get folded back in? What what how do they think about this? What how do they get going again? Well, I, I have great sympathy for those who have been hurt in the church, because I have. In fact, anybody 
who is around uh, the life of of any community very long is going to be hurt. I, I don't know about you, ben, Dan, but I have been hurt in my family. I have been hurt uh, by my dearest and closest friends. I uh, have been hurt in in you know my extracurricular activities or my my hobbies and things. Be, being in a broken and fallen world necessarily means that broken and fallen people are going to come uh, into interaction uh, with us. Uh, last night, I drove from Nashville, where my home is, to um, to Chattanooga, across across the mountains. I took the freeway, and driving along the way, there were people who were driving in such a way that uh, I thought to myself, these folks are crazy. Well, that did not stop me from continuing to drive. It just made me alert to what makes a good and what makes a bad driver, how to drive safely uh, in the midst of a fallen world. We have to do the same thing in every single area of our lives, and church is no different. If you have been hurt, if you've been wounded, if you've been betrayed, your story is not very different from that of the Apostle Paul or even of the Lord Jesus. And yet, the Lord Jesus, knowing that people like Peter would deny, or people like Judas would betray, or people like Thomas would doubt, he invested himself entirely because, as Hebrews puts it, uh, he, for the joy that was set before him, despised the shame and embraced the cross so that he might even now be seated at the right hand of majesty. In other words, if the church is the means of all of these rich, rich blessings, why on earth would we deny ourselves those blessings, even if it means that it's going to require hard work and overcoming difficulties and oftentimes deep sadnesses. Uh, let's not uh, starve ourselves of the means of grace. So I would say, you know, for, for those who have been hurt, uh, acknowledge that hurt, acknowledge that that's the kind of hurt that occurs always in the world, and then run to the mercy of Christ. Find a place where uh, you can safely sit and uh, receive the Word of God, and enjoy the uh, fruitfulness of fellowship, and be sent forth in real mission. Mm. Suppose someone now is on the cusp of saying, you know what, I want to return to church, and there's a a number of churches in the area, and it may be a little hard finding uh, the right church. What what should that person be looking for? We might say the the marks of of a faithful church. Well, the marks of a faithful church are always going to to align with what the scriptures uh, say and teach. Uh, one of the great benefits these days is most churches have websites. You go to the website before you ever even visit, and you can uh, read. You know, what does this church believe? Do they believe the Bible? Do they say it? Is that up front? Uh, is it a part of their, their mission and vision uh, to proclaim? the Word of God, uh, as the infallible, inerrant, uh, inscripturated Word of God. If uh, the Church doesn't put that, you know, sort of front and center, 
then that, that probably is a, a big warning sign. Uh, the other thing is that churches that uh, are, are, are faithful in uh, showing forth the marks of the biblical church will always put a high premium on genuine, heartfelt worship. Uh, not as an extravaganza, not as a show, but as a real demonstration of their confession before Christ. Uh, their theological uh, distinctives should show through, and, um, and there should be a kind of humility and grace that is evident. And oftentimes you can, you can see that almost immediately, even from a website. Um, the other thing that I would say is, is um, uh, people often ask me, you know, what, how do you know which books to read, and uh, how, how do you, you know, find the right stuff theologically? And one of the things that I always say is, follow the footnote trail. Uh, well, the same thing can be applied to churches. Uh, look for personal recommendations uh, from people you trust uh, in in looking for a church. If you if you meet someone at work who seems to really walk in a godly fashion and uh, they love their family and they're really committed to doing things the right way, find out where they go to church. Uh, it may very well be that they're plugged into a very healthy body that you would have never even known existed uh, were it not for them. How about a person that um, wants to help their church and encourage their pastor? What kind of things would help you as a pastor over the years that you've learned in your membership? What can they do to to help the church? Well, I tell you, uh, pastors are beleaguered oftentimes by lots and lots of woe. And uh, they're, they're driven by the tyranny of the urgent, and they oftentimes stand alone in the midst of the battle. So one of the things that encourages me the most as a pastor is when uh, someone goes out of their way, not simply to say, Pastor, I'm praying for you, but they send me a note or an email or a text, and they say, Pastor, I have been praying this morning for you. Or, Pastor, I have, um, I have been praying this passage of Scripture and claiming it for you. That kind of specificity really lifts the heart and reminds me that I'm not alone. Um, the, the other thing is, that, you know, pastors uh, are oftentimes uh, on the giving end of uh, of virtually every aspect of ministry. And uh, while some folks will gift their pastors with, uh, you know, with special gifts and, and so forth, the most meaningful things are oftentimes a handwritten note that simply says thank you, uh, and is specific, not thank you for always being there, but thank you for the time that you were there in this circumstance when my family needed you, or whatever. Those kinds of, of gifts are extraordinary. The other thing is, um, I, I would say, more than you know, giving a, a pastor a gift card to a restaurant or something like that, you know, giving a pastor a book um, without an agenda, you know, just saying, this, this book really blessed me, uh, I wanted to make sure that you had it too. Th- those are ways that you can, in very simple ways, 
bless your pastor. Mm, excellent. In the few minutes remaining, let's go back to the subject of, of church and worshiping God as the people of God and then flowing out to society. Right now in America, I I get the feeling that things are kind of teetering, <laughs> tottering, whatever, and um, we're losing a lot of the good traditions, perhaps, that we've had as as a culture in America. I don't want to get discouraged, though. It's 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 awful easy to go down the path of identifying what's wrong. How can we encourage our hearts and souls and and play a part in in the church as she influences this world for Christ? Well, I think one of the things then that we really need to do regularly is talk about what's right. Talk about where God is at work, where where we see very clear evidence of his um, of his outpouring of grace. There are a lot of things that are occurring right now all around the world that should astonish us. Even as we see the American church sort of capitulating to the spirit of the age, we're seeing an incredible growth of the Church of Jesus Christ in places of deep, deep uh, persecution. Uh, the church in Saudi Arabia, for instance, is growing at an unprecedented rate. There are missionaries who are now going out from northern Iraq, from Kurdistan, uh, to the ends of the earth to proclaim the love of Christ. So one of the things I think we need to do is we need to start talking about all of the things that the church is doing right. And I think that we need to you know, keep our focus on the fact that the Lord is not done with us yet. And um, then the second thing is, is I would say we need to be, remember that uh, that remarkable a declaration at the end of the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul quotes from the Lord Jesus. Uh, if, you have, uh, if you have a red-letter edition, it's kind of startling all the way at the end of the book of Acts to suddenly see uh, red letters, the words of Christ. Um, and it's not in the Gospels. It's not, re- it's, it's not a repeat of something that Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John has said. And Jesus uh, speaks... And Paul repeats it, saying, uh, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm. We need to remember that part of our calling as Christians in the Church is for us to serve, for us to get involved, for us to volunteer, for us to work, for us to give. And that is more blessed than anything that we could receive. I think a lot of times we go to church thinking about what we're going to get. And uh, instead, we ought to be thinking about what we can give, uh, where we can be involved. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Today on the phone line with us has been Dr. George Grant. He's pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and he's authored dozens of books. And uh, Dr. Grant, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule and joining our listeners today. It's been my great delight. Thank you. And a reminder that this broadcast is available up on our website as a podcast. You can access it anytime. The address there is redeemerbroadcasting.org. Please join us again next week at the same time. 
for another edition of A Plain Answer. Daytime, there are stars.